On today's Feel Good Finance, it is Wednesday, November 10th, episode 33. And the biggest news of the week that came out that I think is the most interesting, and while everyone's been talking about it, I think it's worth talking about again, is that Elon Musk let a Twitter poll decide the fate of the largest taxable event in literal known history. Uh, He basically set a yes or no poll for anyone and everyone to vote on, and it was, should I sell 10% of my stake in Tesla? which I, I can't remember how many billions of dollars it is, but it is billions of dollars worth of money. And uh, that would, of course, be taxed as income if he takes that in. And so, you know, people piled on and were like, oh, my God, yeah, like, we need all that tax money, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, okay, well, here's the other side of that is that no one's really talking about is that his younger brother, I, I actually don't know if he's younger or older, Kimball Musk, whoever the older one is, and then someone else on the board sold a ton of their stake in Tesla right before he put that poll up on Twitter. And I want to know if that constitutes as insider trading. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> that was a quick uh, yeah. <laughs> he has family members just dumping stock right before he's putting a pull up like that. That's um, it's bizarre. It's definitely out of the ordinary. Well, yeah, but, but it wasn't guaranteed that it was going to be a yes or a no. Like he let the people decide. I think he just bet that it was going to be a yes. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a good point. But I guess you know if you use you know, common inferencing, if you judge the general Twitter audience, if a billionaire says, should I sell all this money, tax money, blah, 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 they'd probably lean towards, yes, you should lose money and get hit with taxes. Well, the crypto guys are all over there. They're like, they're like, oh my God, daddy, Elon, no, uh, we got to pump the stock higher to the moon. And then all the other, the like actual finance people were like, yes, it's literally overpriced 30, it's 37 times X earnings or something like that. It doesn't make any sense why it's this high. We need to correct and then the socialists were like, yeah, we need you to pay all your taxes so that it can go directly into the you know, the government's pocket and not actually do anything. But that's another story. Point being, every, it was a, totally across the board. Everyone was split. It was the, it was the wildest thing. I, I did a little bit of scrolling. I did a bit of a deep dive. And the raw data led me to believe that there was no consensus. I was actually, it did vote yes. And I was surprised. It was like 56%. Wow. Did he, so is, has he made a statement? Is he... Did he do it? Uh, so he said there was no like direct time statement, which is good because he would immediately get sued by the SEC if he made a time statement. That is that is very clearly insider trading. But um, so what happened was right probably I think yesterday was it or today I don't know. Very recently Tesla had a massive fall in share price, so everyone's like, "Up oh, there it is." But of course, it could also just be everyone dumping in anticipation, or this could all be a game. And I don't know. It, it's just a mess, but it's funny because we've literally like entered the matrix where just nothing matters anymore. And people are making ginormous financial decisions based on Twitter. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, uh, it's reality as we know it shifting to the metaverse. Yeah. Nothing in this life matters. <laughs> reality of some kind. God. Okay. And we should probably get the rest of the social media stuff out of the way. And uh, This is... This is only worth talking about because I know we cite the part of the result of this, but Dave Portnoy, who's a very polarizing figure, he's the founder of Barstool Sports, and he does, he's got a heck of a lot of money behind him, and he does have a very strong pull over the media. He's got millions and millions of people that pretty much do whatever he says, um, which can be dangerous mob mentality, but he's been throwing pretty much a week and a half long temper tantrum. Uh, all over the internet, somebody at Business Insider slandered him and said a bunch of things that he claims to not be true. And now he's basically become a one-man wrecking ball trying to tear down everything that is Business Insider. And subsequently, unfortunately, the Morning Brew, who we, you know, we talk about a lot. I love the Morning Brew. I love all their products. But the problem is that 
the founder or one of the main guys in Business Insider that he's really angry about, uh, Henry Blodgett is his name, is uh, one of the board members on the Morning Brew. And so, you know, he's not too happy about that. Uh, and so he doesn't like this guy. This guy was accused of securities fraud back in the day. And actually, he's no longer legally able to ever work in the securities industry, which is very interesting. And so that has been targeted quite a bit. And I would be remiss if I didn't report that this is all just one ginormous mess and will literally be resolved if everyone would just relax. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm of the same peace of mind you are here. It's goofy. I, I am a Barstool fan, and I find Portnoy to be a fascinating individual. Yep. Uh, he's great, great in the media. You know, he, he always makes a good headline. He stands his ground and on everything, literally yeah, everything. Yeah, if, if he wanted this to kind of die down, he would stop talking about it. And I, I understand, I heard an interview he did today as well on uh, some media outlet. I can't remember the name of the, the source, but he essentially said his lawyers advised him to stop talking about it too, and it would just go away. And he's like, no, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you're just essentially just marketing for Business Insider because the more you talk about it, the more I want to go give them my money to read this article. Right. And it's genius on Business Insider's part. I mean, they it's not slander. I guess they, they went out and they – at least it's not slander on their part. Whatever the girl said about them, that's whatever. But apparently they have direct quotes from two young females that were involved with him. And uh, whatever they said about him is their word. And they released this article and it's behind a paywall. So, I mean, what do you do? You release a hit piece on a, on a huge media name that you know is going to explode about it. And then all of a sudden you have a bunch of his followers or people that know of him that are just dying to know what is in this article. Yeah, uh, of so. course. I, I totally agree with that. The paywall thing is a big deal because they're, they're probably making an absolute ton of money off this. And the more it gets blown up, the more money it makes. The uh, yeah, I agree with you. So what I thought was really interesting is this is actually kind of a good this is kind of a good thing for journalism reporting because his big thing is look, I'll do I'll do an interview, but it has to be fully recorded, uncut. You can't you can't chop it up and I have to have the recording too and do like do it as is not on your terms, not over email, on video. And I said, it's actually a good thing because a lot of times things get skewed and chopped up. So, I mean, he may be an asshole. He may be wrong. Something may have happened. I don't know. Point being, I really hate when things are skewed in reporting, and I think everything should be out in the open as much as possible. If everyone's transparent, pretty much everything is good. So that's my take. That's the, that's the best I can take away from all this mess. Yeah, it's ironic, too, how many people won't take him up on those terms. I've seen the day. Oh, yeah. And- whether or not it's right of him to post screenshots of emails with people that are trying to interview him. Every single time he asks this and gives his terms, they they either uh, ignore him or pivot towards, well, I think an email interview would be best so I can best convey my questions. I saw one journalist today say that. Mm -hmm. He was like, my terms are my terms, man. I'm not changing. I saw the exact same one. He said, yeah, I think we should do emails the best format so that I can make sure to get your response correctly. And he's like, I mean, so I, one, that was a scummy evasion. Um, so, you know, bad on him, but, uh, no, just put everything out in the open, make it real, whatever. Don't chop it up. Don't, don't do point of view stuff. It's goofy. Yeah. Same thing with Elon. I mean, that's all he wanted whenever everyone was like, Oh, you should give $6 billion to solve world hunger. He was like, all right, well just put it out in the open and I will give it. Yeah, it's funny how fast that has already died down because they already they already got quiet about it. And once they realized it wasn't going to happen until they revealed that their books were them paying their own shareholders most of it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how fast the, the news cycle moves. You know, last week we're talking about Elon solving world hunger and it's this week gone. we're talking about him avoiding insider trading. Yep, 
oh man, it's already gone. Okay, well that I think that's fair for an intro. That's that's all the social media I can do for a while. Oh, it's just it's just constant. Sure. You get absorbed in it. Everyone knows it's happening. That's the worst part. You're like, oh, did you see this? They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, we're all living and seeing the same thing. The algorithm has figured all of us out. Yep, it's funny that uh, you know, starting off with social media because I actually deleted Twitter a while ago. It's, it's been off my phone for a couple months. That's now. why you never reply and to me. I, yep, I've been off the Twitterverse, <laughs> and I just re-downloaded it yesterday, though, just because I wanted to see Big Cat's pain as the Steelers beat the <laughs> Chicago Bears. I had to see his pain, and it was on my phone for a whole twenty minutes. I got to see his pain. And then I started looking at the comments and people complaining and different stuff, and it immediately got deleted again. I was like, "Can't do it." It's Can't just, do it. Nope. it's so negative, and it just it, <laughs> it figures you out. It figures out exactly what you don't want to see, and it puts that right in front of you. It's ah, oh, it's horrible. Yep. And for for any listeners out there who don't know who Big Cat is, he works for Dave Portnoy, and I think he's a fairly large stakeholder in the company. Yeah, he's and, high up like, there. He's a huge Chicago Bears fan. Yep. So yeah, he runs part in my take, which is I know Joey and Joey and I both really enjoy the show. They they do a fantastic job. The guys are so funny. They talk everything sports. It's hilarious. Definitely go check them out. So mm-hmm. I listened to their show actually this morning, and I think this is worth a small tangent because it is somewhat money related. Do you think the NFL's rigged now? Because it seems like everyone in the world's pretty much convinced that that game was thrown. This season, more than ever, yeah. I've been slight. I've listen in the past. I've always, you know, now and then will be that guy. Oh, it's rigged. That's BS. Sure, but you cannot tell me there has not been a lot of suspect things going on this season, especially this past Sunday, where like seven underdogs won. And I know you love your Jacksonville Jaguars, but they had no business winning that game. No, and Josh Allen played. Our Josh Allen played great, but the uh, you know yeah. the Bills. Josh Allen did not play as well as he should have, and he's usually a fantastic player. So this is why I am concerned about this: is because sports gambling has become legalized in several states now, and it is moving faster and faster. And when those underdogs, when they win. A lot of money trades hands, <laughs> and you just have to sit there and think, well, wait a minute, maybe there's something going on around here. <laughs> yeah, we're the Jets and the Bengals the other week. Yeah, I mean, God, I lost so much money had, in that game. <laughs> yeah, they had no business winning that game. The Bengals had just literally <laughs> blown the Ravens out. The uh, Bengals beat the Ravens by 30, 40 points, and then Mike White, the backup quarterback for the Jets, who has not started a football game since 2017, comes in and beats the same Bengals team. The NFL is such a money printing machine. It's unreal. And I it scares me that no matter, I'm still going to watch it. I still love football. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't couldn't care less about basketball or any of those, but and I know I know plenty of guys that are like diehard golf fans and it doesn't even matter if it came out and was like it's totally rigged, they would gripe about it, but they'd still be there. Though I don't know how you rig golf. It's already the hardest darn sport on the planet. Yeah, that'd be impressive if you could rig golf. And honestly, I don't know how they rig football either. I don't know how they do it, but, you know, there's some fishy stuff going on. You just have to think about the calls. Okay, that's enough football. All right, you ready to move on? Yes, sir. Fantastic. So you'll remember last week we talked about Ford's um, electric crate engine that they released, and it was super cool. I was super hyped about it. So it was literally two days after. I don't know, Matt, if you sent me this or if I found it on my own, but Chevy immediately unveiled a 1,000-horsepower, 10-liter, ginormous V8 crate engine. It's just it, – I don't even know what kind of – you'd have to put this in, like, just a massive truck. It, it wouldn't fit in any other car. It's huge. And it just reminds me of all the memes where you have – it's usually Dodge is doing this, where – verbal meme, I'm calling it now, where, you know, Ford would be like – We've got the new hot electric SUV saving the planet doing all this. And Chevy's like, we're going smaller, lighter, faster, making sure everything's really pretty so that we don't disturb the climate. And Dodge is like, 
rails a line off a minivan and is like, I slapped a V8 in this thing and it's got 1,200 horsepower. What you going to do about it? <laughs> I love it. Except, you know, this time it was Chevy just building the biggest monster of an engine they could physically, like, ow, that's so much power. Unbelievable. Crazy technology that we can actually do that. They unveiled it at SEMA. And so Hoonigan had their hands on it. They're the ones that got to touch it first. That makes sense. And um, in true Chevy fashion, they tossed it in a third gen Camaro. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? Rock Z generation type Camaro. And it's just massive. It's huge. It's like you can't see out of the front windshield. (laughs) It's just a big old nasty muscle car with an engine bigger than the front hood. I mean, I'm just imagining some dude pulling out of a trailer park, smoking a pack of cigs, blasting <laughs> 80s rock out the window with a giant engine in the front. That's yeah. what it looks like. It is. I, I'm, I'm going to look it up after the show. I'm really excited because I just, when you say 10 liters, like, I, it is impossible to picture how big that could be. It's huge. It's ridiculous. It's got a massive blower on top, too, of course. Yeah, of course. you got to make it. It's just so goofy. Well, in other car news, so the official, I know, I, I okay, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to call myself out here. I misspoke the other week. So I think I said Rivian has gone public last week. That was not true. The official report as of an hour ago, and I looked this up, which is yesterday for anyone listening to this fresh, it quote, could go public as early as this week. That is the direct quote. And there was a bunch of people griping about pricing and apparently it was overpriced for a while and now it's under, I don't know, whatever. I would let the suits fight over it, but Point being, my bad, my bad. So it should be coming alive soon enough as an IPO. And so I was curious because I looked at the Lucid IPO because I like Lucid Motors a lot. And they, they've gotten a lot of excitement recently. You know, they obviously had their little IPO pop and then it settled down in the past few months over to about where the price should have been, what people were willing to pay for in an active market. And uh, they've gotten a heck of a lot of excitement recently. And I think it's purely because of all the excitement. Oh my God, you just put up the picture. I'm sorry, I got distracted. That thing is beautiful. But... The point being, they got a lot of excitement, and I think it is because there's another electric car going public, and I think they do feed off of each other, which is very interesting. You have to wonder, how long do they feed off of each other? Like, if another one goes public, is that going to help? But these are names that we've been hearing for a while, so I don't know. That was on my mind. I was really curious. Just wondering if you could just play that. Yeah. I think as more come out, you know, it's it's just good buzz. It's another player to the game. I think, you know, if you saw... Uh, a couple more, you know, just follow it. It keeps it relevant, keeps it in the news, and just kind of, I don't know, keeps it going. Sure. Uh, I can agree with that. I, I am a Lucid shareholder. I picked up a few. I was like, I think this is a great company. I love the design. The car is fantastic. Uh, this is not financial advice telling you to go out and do that, but I, I'm just saying I like it, especially with the way, how young this industry is. So I, I'm, I'm pretty happy about all that. And Okay, we. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can link some of the pictures in the show notes. I don't know if I'll be able to, but I, that car is unbelievable. It just literally looks like a brick with a ginormous engine on it. It's huge. So, yeah, I misspoke. There's not a massive blower on top, but it is pretty ridiculous seeing this gigantic six, uh, Chevy 632 sitting in this old third-gen Camaro. Jesus, that's such a big engine, man. It's funny, it's like, as, our, as our cars get smaller, the outliers get more extreme. <laughs> Makes me happy. We're going in two different directions. We're getting massively bigger engines mm-hmm. and at the same time reducing other cars down to practically nothing and throwing small, trying to make batteries smaller, cars faster and tinier. So it's like, 
I don't know. We, we got two different groups that are both going in opposite directions. Everything's polarizing no matter where we go in the world. Well, I've been saying that. It's a really good thing that we have our, like our standardized vehicles can all be really small, boring, and wimpy. I'm cool with that. And I think oh, they should all be these little tiny electric things with maybe 100 horsepower that can just zip around and get you where you need to go. That's great. I want 95% of the population to have that because I fall into the 5%. I'd like to have a V8. I'd like gas to cost $1.50 a gallon, and I would like to turbocharge that V8 and rip it all day, every day. That's what I want. And that'll be really cheap if everyone's not doing that. But I think at the same time, if if everybody stops driving cars and they all get little zippy electric cars, then as much as we think gas is going to go down, I think it's going to go up because no one's really going to like, we're not going to have all the same infrastructure to get gas over here because no one's going to use it as much. It's, we're not going to have gas stations in the same sense that we do now. We're going to have charging stations. So it's going to be normal gas is going to cost like race gas. Well, that's totally correct. And I actually completely agree with that. And I think that's the main reason why gas has been so expensive nowadays. It has nothing to do with political policies and any of that. It's purely because we don't we, we haven't put any investment dollars into drilling for new oil. Uh, the stat we used a while ago is it was like a, 2015. I think we did like 100 million per year into investing in new exploration of gas. Now it's like 50 million a year. We've literally or billion. I don't know. But it, it was cut in half six years later, half. And we're consuming more than we used to, even though we're you know, switching over to all this other stuff, we're still consuming a shitload of gas and we're not mining as much for it. So you're right. That, that was a long way of saying, I completely agree with you and you're totally right about that. I think we're just shifting it from the consumer level, like being you and me on the road to Commercial. the gas that we're using is going to power the plants that are creating the energy to yep. power the electric cars, which is, I guess, good because we can switch that over easy enough to green power. It's easy to do it on that level. We can also make that a lot cleaner than the cars that are on the road. But like, yeah, it's not like switching over to an electric car is that much greener right now until we fix the part where the power is coming from. What? Okay, so that I do disagree with because you create a heck of a lot more. You create a much larger efficiency. <clears throat> sorry, whenever you do that, when you're, it's easy enough to create the electricity from burning the gasoline, and that electricity will take you further in the car because it doesn't take as much to charge it. If you're just straight up, flat out burning raw gas, that's different, especially with diesel, which is quite literally just like ready to go, super refined. Fair enough. And yeah, like there are some more like, I guess, carbon scrubbing emissions things that you can have at the plants that generate the electricity. I just think that like, it's not perfect. So we have a long way to go from like the green image of the Tesla being as green as it like seems. Of course, I agree. But it's a good first step, right? Yeah, I agree. We're in the right direction. We can fix those problems later. Well, and so my big point has been it's not the consumer cars that you really need to get off the road because their engines are so small and they barely burn any gas anymore. It's the semi-trucks we have to get because they're constantly running, just churning and burning all the time, all day, every day. So in that news, ah, is a solid little, uh, little shift over here. PepsiCo says that they're going to be getting their first Tesla semi-trucks by the end of the year. <laughs> and uh, we're following a theme here. The official report from Elon Musk was, eh, maybe. <laughs> so they originally ordered 100 of them, 100 of these, uh, the Tesla, Tesla semis in 2017, as soon as they were unveiled. And they said, all right, we're going to have them delivered by 2020. That didn't happen. So the new timeline is beginning 2022, end of 2021. So that is quickly approaching, very quickly. Um, they're planning to get 15 of them at the end of this year. Uh, and so I was curious about the cost. It said they cost about one hundred and fifty to one hundred and eighty thousand dollars. 
So I said, okay, well, what does that mean uh, compared to like an, like an actual semi-truck? Because in my mind, the only reason you'd get one of these for balance sheet purposes, if you're trying to make money, is because you're going to reduce one, brakes, two, oil, three, fuel costs. Makes sense. Tires maybe, but whatever. That doesn't really change at all in an electric car. So I took a look and apparently normal semis cost anywhere from $30,000 to $200,000. That's a huge spread. So I found a bunch of used semis that you can find under $30,000. So can we buy a semi? I think if you buy a semi under thirty thousand dollars, even under fifty to seventy thousand dollars, you're taking a massive risk. Yeah, it's just gonna be like a piece of junk from the seventies. <laughs> That's like going and buying like a Mercedes for like ten thousand dollars on yeah. Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you really think that's a good idea? Uh huh. It's it's the guys that are like, yeah, I got this refurbished two thousand eight BMW three thirty five i. It's only got one hundred eighty thousand miles on it, and you know, replaced the motor twice. And you're like, okay, <laughs> that was a bad idea. <laughs> Solid investment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an appreciating asset, is what that is. But I, I thought this was really funny, hot off the heels of the Hertz news, where they were like, "Yeah, we're getting all these cars and all this stuff." And Tesla's like, "Really? Are you? <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> this is news to me." <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you know, two for two. The, uh, the consistent variable here is Tesla. Yeah. Uh, whoever's in charge of their communications, I think, needs to, I don't know, be better at forecasting or their job. Yeah, seriously. Well, they've got the Amazon issue, right? I think there's like 12 heads that are all talking to each other and none of them are working on the same project all at the same time. But I don't know. It'd be curious to talk to someone up top and see if I can get a cold email out there and <laughs> get someone to talk to me. <laughs> Dad, see what the heck's going on over there at Tesla and why every single business thinks they're getting a a large sum of cars here soon. Well, yeah, I mean, he did the thing where he signed all these pre-orders from a whole bunch of companies. Like, the other ones I have down here that I wrote down are Walmart, FedEx, and Anheuser-Busch all ordered from them as well. It didn't give me amounts or how much they paid or what happened. But the point is, they got a whole bunch of really big companies expecting a bunch of semi-trucks that probably don't exist right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, given so- the microchip issue, probably won't be existing for a while. Yeah, yeah, that is the big one. I don't know. Hopefully that'll get fixed. I've been saying that that want to get fixed soon. I heard, I don't know who told me this or why they told me, but someone who had some kind of information said, we're looking about June next year. And I was like, that's a depressing idea, but that's okay. That would I was going to say, I judge my whole knowledge on that situation based off of if I can walk into a Best Buy and just buy an Xbox Series X or a PS5 off the shelf. Yeah, you can do that. Problem solved. Well, I don't know if that one's fair because we're, I mean, we're shifting more away from retail stores, even though I guess we're not because a whole bunch of companies recently have been like, yeah, you know, we've been online for 10 years. I think we're going to go, uh, we're going to go brick and mortar store. And everyone else is like, what the heck are you doing? Like Amazon said that recently. Yeah. I love my brick and mortar stores. My girlfriend thinks I'm a psychopath, but she, all she wants to do is online shop, online shop, online shop. And then she gets her shit in and none of it fits and you need to send it back and, and get different sizes and, and all these shoes are too tight. And I'm like, that's literally the whole reason I go to brick and mortar is like, that's why I hate online shopping. I want, cause for me, the it's worth my time to go on a little adventure. And part of that's because I work from home. So it's nice to get out of the house as well. And, and, you know, actually leave the home, but it's worth my time to go there and try it on and do all that, get my hands on the product and then buy it and take it home and have it that very day. than it is to go online, spend the time to find it, put it in a shopping cart, fill that out, order it, wait, shipping industry is a mess a week to get my product. 
And then, oh shit, it's not what I wanted. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Now you got to send it back, go through the returns process, figure out how to get a replacement or the new one sent to you. I mean, that's a hassle. So what we've learned here today is that Joey is in fact a process guy, not a results guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the process. Trust the process. I'm a results guy. I could not I could not care less how it gets to me as long as it gets there and it's fine. <laughs> I'm just I'm a cynic when it comes to the shipping industry. Anytime I order something online, I don't expect to see it for a month. Sure, you've worked in it, so you have a bit of an ins- little insider view there. Yeah, it's <laughs> miserable. Oh well. It's a miserable, miserable industry right now. God bless anyone out there that works in it. Well, we have, what, November 9th? About a little over a month till Christmas. So, you know, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> exactly. Every day is going to get worse than the last. I think uh, if you could buy turkey futures, which I don't think I don't think we have access to, but oh, I, I, would, I would definitely, I think the price of turkey futures is about to uh, skyrocket as people start to realize that they're going to have to get their birds super early. I did not even think of that, John. You're a genius. Well, I mean, chicken wings and roast beef are in shortages. I mean, I can only imagine what it's going to be like to get a turkey this year. Chicken's an issue because we're having corn shortages, and corn's what we feed the chickens and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. if they can't provide the feed, they can't have the animals because then the animals end up dying, right? So you have to wonder. I don't know what turkeys eat, but it's probably similar to chickens is my hypothesis. Uh, That's not scientific or anything, but pretty sure sure that's a fair statement. Turkeys probably eat the same thing as chickens. The only reason why I would be inclined to, to debate the, the prospect of an upcoming turkey shortage, and this is just me talking out my ass, <laughs> uh, is that I don't, I don't know, but I don't think people eat as much turkey year-round, so maybe we got like a whole supply somewhere. That's totally like, true. Yeah, chickens. in a farm, get yeah. ready to get chopped up and shipped off. Well, yeah, I mean, the amount of fast food restaurants we have that ship chicken like crazy and probably just need constant supplies of chicken, like processed chicken. I mean, mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Burger King alone. Popeyes. Wendy's, Popeyes, all those big chains. Yeah, it's true. And anytime I'm shopping for, like, my, my monthly, weekly meals or anything like that, I immediately go to chicken breasts over turkey. I would never get turkey. Chicken, it's easy protein. Right there, done. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. think we'll just shift production because, like, we've had a huge shift in, like, people that eat majority of ground beef to a whole lot of people eating ground turkey now it's leaner it's healthier for you that type thing it's true i think we'll just shift away from producing ground turkey to just whole turkeys and then shipping them out instead so you might see a little bit of a downtick in ginio ground turkey or sausage whatever but you'll see an uptick in big birds in the store well, that makes sense to me you know you just don't chop them up you just keep them whole but yeah, i mean it's, it's a live animal you can't just produce it in fact well i guess technically they are which is a gross <laughs> thought but uh yeah i don't want to think about that Either way, I mean, there's a there's a timeline for this kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they pre-chop them up and they keep them in giant bird freezers. Who knows? Like, I don't know how long a frozen bird lasts. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want mine pre-chopped. <laughs> I'm just here for the desserts. That's all. Dude, the sides. The sides are where it's at. Not even the desserts. Oh, you're right about that. You know, like, Thanksgiving mac and cheese is the best thing ever. I don't know why, but it's better. It's always better. And like corn casserole stuff like that. Oh, gravy mm, stuffing. Oh, I love corn casserole. I, I was just thinking like sweet sweet potato casserole is the best thing on the planet by far. It's incredible. Well, we, we just took the sweet potato pie, got rid of the crust that kind of wasn't that good anyways, and we put it out there, and we're like, this is way better. We just make it sugar. <laughs> it's all sugar. 
I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's some. I think we'll do the episode before Thanksgiving. We'll do uh, like top five, top five Thanksgiving meals just to just to get everyone ready. I think that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, ready to move on to the next one. Yeah. All righty. Yeah. So next we've got a little bit of Facebook news, or I guess you could call them meta now. Um, so Facebook told their investors recently over the weekend that they will be putting $10 billion towards the metaverse. Um, Zuckerberg essentially said, you know, we're not going to make any money at all on this investment right away and probably not for the foreseeable future, but we're setting the company up for future success in the long run. And then he told them that he believes the metaverse will be the successor to the mobile internet. So I don't know what type of data Zuck's got to back this up or, or if he's just, you know, a visionary and a, and a forward thinker and, He's he's essentially just putting all his chips towards this and saying, "Listen, investors, stick with us, because uh, in twenty years, you know, it might pay off." That's a long time. I, all right, yeah. Verbal meme here. Uh, bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. So <laughs> exactly, I see ads for it everywhere now. Like I cannot open up my phone without getting some kind of metaverse ad on some kind of like anything is popping up, and everyone's trying to talk about it. So I think just people talking about it is really good news for him. But apart from that, I also see meta stuff pop out more. So that was like a really, really quick, smooth name change. And they've they've totally been on the ball for that. Yeah, it's been impressive. Uh, whoever their marketing or publicity teams are, I mean, they've done a flawless, or not flawless, but they've been very efficient in rolling it out and getting it in the front of people's minds. Because at the end of the day, you just need, if you want it to stick, it's got to be in the front of your consumer's minds and the general public's heads. Sure. And I think they've done a good job at it, um, but uh, I don't know. Listen, I love the metaverse as much as the next guy and want it to be here. And, you know, maybe it will be here in five years. Who knows? Maybe it'll be here sooner. But right now, I just see too many scammy companies saying the metaverse is here now. Sign up and create your avatar and join the metaverse. And it's like, that's not it. It's hard to explain it, but some guy in, a, in his basement creating a little service where you can create your own avatar for twenty five ninety nine a month is not it. Right. No, <laughs> I agree. We'll see what happens. Right. We, we talked about that last week, too, where I was basically like, look, it's the same thing as a dot-com bubble. It's a whole bunch of these random little companies are popping up putting Metaverse or dot-com in their name, and they're profiting off of it because people don't know what they're doing. Um, so I think like anything, I really do think that nothing ever turns out the way that we immediately think it is. So, like, it's not the Jetsons right now. We don't have the flying cars. I don't think anything that we pictured would happen 50 years ago totally panned out. We were kind of on. We just kind of spoke into existence. And this is definitely the same way. We're going to look back 10 years from now and be like, oh, wow, it was so so weird that we thought that this is what that was going to look like. When it's, it's something, like, realistic and entirely different and just kind of makes sense. Like, it won't be that big of a deal. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that happens with a lot of things. I know we've talked about virtual reality before and how, you know, I never thought like the Oculus Quest would be the predominant headset that everyone has and, and that's how it would be. And I'm happy that's the way it is. It's not totally off, but it's different than how I thought it would be. And then I think same with cell phones, you know? Oh, yeah. Everyone thought that, you know, the flip phones were the end all be all. And then you had smartphones and then they kept trying to make them smaller and smaller and smaller. And we thought in the future, you know, we'd have no phone. It'd be like, I don't know, some crazy futuristic thing. And like now we just have, we're just 
stuck with the iPhone. And all right. Well, the watch is a good idea. It just wasn't there yet. So like the, having the idea that I could do every single thing from a tiny square on my wrist, if I could tap it and it pops up like a little augmented reality screen and I can work from there, that'd be great. I don't want to carry anything. I don't want to have a wallet. I don't want to have keys. I don't want to have a phone, nothing. I want that little square on my, my wrist so that if I lose everything, I, if, I, if I don't lose anything, but if you lose something, you lose everything. I'm okay to take that risk because I just won't ever forget it. Might be bad for some people who need to hedge their bets, but I, I would so much rather everything be on one tiny little piece and be done with it. Yeah, if Apple could perfect that, I mean, that would be the best thing in the world in regards to phones and that solving the whole pocket real estate issue. Yep. Because I also hate crap in my pocket. It's terrible. It's bad. Um, it's bad for you, but too. Yeah. yeah, but right now, I'm just not sold on. I mean, I've had an Apple Watch for, I don't know, a couple of years now, and I rarely wear it. I know people out there who don't take it off, but it's just... It's not there yet in my mind. I agree. I totally agree. It's a cool piece of technology. Hopefully it gets there. Yep. But all right, I think that's all we have for tech today. Um, moving on. Is, unless you guys have anything else in tech. I'm fine to go down to uh, traditional investment stuff. I, I, have, I have a pretty interesting one to lead us off with too. So all right, take it away. This was fun. It was, uh, and I know this is, this is going to resonate with a lot of people who've gotten the FOMO recently of missing out on the crypto markets and all these random 21-year-olds becoming millionaires and escaping the world. Is there, The Wall Street Journal did a great piece, I thought, on how young, quote, young millionaires would rather manage their own money than use an advisor. And I said, well, absolutely flipping duh. Like, why the heck would you? One, all these, they, they get calls all day from people at Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, all these random people who they don't know. They have no idea who they are. And they're like, yo, hey, let's go play golf and, you know, talk about your finances and your future. Why would you? They're having so much fun not doing that. And plus, they probably don't golf. They made their money on crypto. If you made your money on crypto, you probably don't know how to golf. I'm willing to put that one out there. But I, I, just the whole takeaway was like, yeah, they just dodge these advisors and they, they, they believe they can do it themselves better. And there was a little bit of like a snide tone in that too. And I said, well, of course they feel like they can do it better. They're making 100% returns every week and you're making, what, 8% in the year? I mean, move on, dude. Like the markets have gotten so out of whack. It's going to take a near cataclysmic event in the crazy markets to have everyone drop back down to reality. And I don't actually think that cataclysmic event is coming for a long time, if ever. I think this is going to continue to go and the th like we're just going to adjust. Technology is going to move faster and faster and there's going to be these opportunities to escape the game and you know whenever the market turns you can make all your money really quickly and then you you're the one who gets to put it into other projects. The other takeaway here and then I'll shut up is that those aren't the people that we should be trying to take money from because obviously on the other side there's a lot of people who are like, "Oh yeah, there's all these people who made all that money, we should tax that, we should do this, blah blah blah." It's like, "No." That's not what you need to do. They will lose it on their own. It's okay. If you need to focus on that stuff, well, no, I said that backwards. Shoot. Okay, let me restart that. My bad, my bad. So we don't need to be taking it from the guys like Elon and Jeff because they're funding projects that take us to the moon. These are the people you should be trying to take the money from because they have no clue where to put it and they're going to lose it on their own. There we go. That's why I wanted to say that. Yeah, I think like I said last time, like the people that are making the most money right now, these kids that are millionaires at teenage years are going to be the ones that are going to lose it the fastest because yeah. the ones that are going to stay millionaires, put the money in, made the return and got out as fast as they could. Of course. Because they know it's the tulip. Yep. It's going to crash eventually. Yeah. Maybe not sometime soon, but it's so volatile it could be any day. 
that's what I say. I said, look, if you handed me five million dollars, I would just you'd never see me again. I would literally I'd put it in an index fund and just go away. I would I've gone. Bye. All right, I'll take those easy little returns. I'm gonna go be a bartender somewhere in Aruba. Huh. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. Like, it, it's a great way to make money if like you can play around with it, take fun money. Like, but if you start getting massive returns, take the massive amount out. Play with just the dividends you're making off of that money that you have sitting somewhere else. Like, don't invest this huge nest egg that you have in something that can change so volatility. Of course, I would say, but I have no financial experience. No, I, I actually totally agree with that. If you're if the five hundred dollars your grandma gave you for graduation Christmas money, you do that and you accidentally make two hundred k, like just boom, and that is probably a best case scenario for a lot of people. But that has been happening. It's just crazy to think about. You do that and you pull it out, and you're like, oh my god, what do I do with all this money? And then that same asset goes up to a theoretically a million dollars, and now you feel terrible. You've got this massive sense of loss because you could have had that. You shouldn't feel bad. You still did something that has literally never been possible until like five years ago. Or I don't know, uh, two years ago, a year ago. But point being, it's just totally ruining us. Yeah, I think that's what kind of Facebook and Meta's hedging on is we have all these kids that like are totally into NFTs and crypto and the metaverse and all this type of thing. And our generation in the early mid twenties or whatever, we're kind of split. We're some of us are like keeping our money safe. Some of us are out there risking it all, doing whatever. Yeah. But like, it's the 13 year olds who buy all the Fortnite skins and the Call of Duty skins and that type of thing that are totally bought into this stuff, but are also making ridiculous amounts of money before they're even out of high school, are the ones that I think they're banking on this next generation that's coming through that's totally going to accept and buy in and it's going to be their world. It may not necessarily be ours. It's weird to feel old and senile kind of at 24 yeah. looking at this stuff going, oh, I don't believe that's going to happen, but like it could and it probably will. I see what you're saying and I actually agree with that. It's almost like its own little hidden economy and I, I do kind of agree at that point where, yeah, I mean, there's all these transactions happening and the second that those transactions can be done in tokens and things that have, can only be purchased if you have the knowledge to get there because it, it does take a good piece of specific knowledge to even get to the point where you can participate in these markets. You have to put aside the time and learn it. It's kind of painful, to be honest with you. And even I feel stupid sometimes. Like, I'll be on there and really excited, like, oh, I'm going to go do this. And then I start reading what people are saying. And I'm like, okay, I understand five out of ten of the words that just came out of this person's mouth. Where, like, what are we doing here? I don't understand. That's painful. Yeah, it is very painful. And even just to learn how to buy some cryptocurrency. Oh, it's tough. Is, it's not it's not easy i mean i know i know several people older than us who want to get into the market and just don't know how and it's like it's not an easy subject to teach anyone yeah it's usually like a give up after the first kind of wall so the first wall is typically okay open yourself an account like you would a brokerage account go to coinbase is the biggest one they're obviously controlled by the sec and all this other stuff so go to a place like that open an account and they say okay and i know the issue that i've hit recently is you get there and it's all right you get to the very final point they're like okay transfer us money and they say well i don't really want to do that because conventional knowledge says you shouldn't give your money over to something that is promising you chuck E. cheese tokens on the internet but <laughs> that that is like the main wall and once you get past that even though the money's on there you have to store it in a wallet and you have to do this and some wallets charge gas fees and some have no fees and some have this and i different it, it, there's just so much it's not streamlined it's painful and i know we're like totally getting off topic for traditional finance and going into DeFi stuff but 
Oh, we can go back to that because I did find another wallet. I'm a MetaMask user just because it's easy. And I found another one. I, the problem I had was the gas fees. It was like, it literally costs more in gas fees to process transactions than it actually the transaction is. So apparently there's other ones that run on different tokens and it's just a, it's a, it's an endurance race to keep up, man. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh. It's not easy at all. I've, I've been so close to trying to pull the trigger on an NFT and then just to hit the, hit the wall of the gas fees or, or oh, one of the other millions of walls that people hit in this world. And it's just, you know, then you get the turd and you turn away. I think that there's been enough people that the communities are built to the point where we have a group that understands it. They've been doing it for a while because they did it while they didn't need to have a job. They could just sit in their damn basement all day and learn how to do it and figure it out that they're okay. They're running stuff. They're pretty much just insider trading on the rest of us. And that's okay. Is you know, it is what it is. There's people come in who don't understand it and they're just going to get their butt kicked every single time. Yeah. That's the other reason, you know, I'm hesitant to jump in. It's just cause I don't understand it enough yet. You know, yep. that's, that's how you get your butt kicked. Like you said, and these sharks will eat you alive. Sure. You have to be a part of the community just to live at. So there was a, yeah, there was something I saw on Twitter. I know I hate to bring up more social media as a source, but there was a guy on Twitter who came in and he said, I'm so bummed out. You know, I posted my art. He was like an actual artist, I guess, New York, something like that. He said, I posted my art hoping to sell it as NFTs. And it seems like it's just this one tight-knit community of people who buy and sell from only each other. And they won't even look at anything else. And I was like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, nobody ever, nobody told you it was going to work. So, sorry. But And if his art wasn't selling before it was an NFT, it's probably not going to sell as an NFT type thing. Like, Yep, my point exactly. What do you expect? Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> oops, but yeah. And what type of value is your NFT bringing then as well? Cause that's the other thing I've been caught up on. I've seen, I've noticed a lot of these more successful NFTs like Basie and a couple of the other different ones like crypto punks. I mean, you get the NFT, but they offer so much value as well. Uh, the right off the top of my head, a lot of the value comes from just joining the community and it's a community of other wealthy people, hypothetically, just because of how much they go for now. So now you're in a limited community of 10,000 people and you're rubbing shoulders with the likes of Steph Curry, Jay-Z, oh, Kanye, yeah. and you're involved in this group now. But if you're just a, I hate to phrase it like this, but if you're just a measly artist who put your art out there and you're not really offering any exclusive perks per se to owning that nft it's it's going to be hard to to generate the type of traffic that some of these other nfts are right people buy it for the community not for the actual product they don't care that they're buying a picture well i guess if, you know if you're if you're kind of stupid behind the times you care that you're buying a picture or whatever but they they buy it because it's a key to something else and i know board of god club actually did have like a community meetup i think it was in miami i'm not positive but i've been seeing the pictures for it they had this big old convention and everything and Everyone looked normal, which is weird. I expected everyone to be really, really weird. So that was a pleasant surprise. Kind of cool. Made me really want to get one, but I, I can't justify that amount of money. It's just so much now. I would love a board ape, but, uh, but They're all if gone. you can find $1.5 million, I'm in. Shoot. <laughs> if I hit the lottery off Bitcoin, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we can join. Okay, let's... Yeah, go ahead. People like us in general, like if we had a board ape and we go to these conventions, I mean, how much is it going to help us? I mean, aside from the fact that we can sell it and make a grand amount of money, 
is that community going to be able to help the average person if they were even able to get their hands on one? Yeah, because then they get to take part of the insider trading. Okay, I guess. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I just meant, like, I think it's a great thing for businesses and business owners where they can kind of get part of this community and, like, work and do, like you said, insider trading. But, like, I think the average person wouldn't be able to really monopolize on the opportunities that are available with it. Sure. Well, the uh, yeah, I mean, the, I, I would think the average rich numbskull is probably just there because it's cute and fun and they have more money than they know what to do with. If you're actually there to try to you know convert, make money, and run a business, you might have a hard time doing that. But what do I know? I'm not I'm not young, rich, or a numbskull anymore. I don't think. <laughs> I could be wrong about the last one. Over three there. Yeah, that would be it. Would be great to be over three. Okay, so. Dang, we totally went back. Oh, God damn it, we skipped the one thing I wanted to do. All right, all right, I got one topic, and then we're going to hop back into crypto DeFi, and then we're going to finish up with uh, Matt. Sound good? Mm-hmm. Great. I just wanted to touch on this because I thought this was fun. There's three Starbucks locations in New York that are voting whether or not to unionize, I think, this week. I'm not sure if it's happened yet, but <laughs> I thought this was interesting because if this happens, Starbucks is going to just flat out drop the hammer and be like, yeah, we could have had fully automated stores by now. We were just paying you because we need to look good. But if you are going to demand things that don't work with our balance sheet, uh, we're going to go ahead and switch to that. So I I almost feel bad for these people. But at the same time, one, you're living in New York, which you probably can't afford to do if your main job is working at Starbucks. Two, you're working at Starbucks. Enough said. There's plenty of jobs out there. You can learn. Go figure it out. The internet exists for a reason. Go do it. So I thought that was interesting. And I almost hope that they do do this because it's going to just prove the point of look we could have automated the majority of all of our systems by now and gotten way more efficient at almost everything we do we just haven't done that because enough people have lobbied and complained to not do it i wish they would do it because my local starbucks here is having issues of not enough workers i know they're not even open on mondays now so you can't get a goddamn coffee on a monday what the hell is that shit (laughs) i can't get a coffee from i mean I don't drink Starbucks coffees during the workday either. I'm just fighting for the, the common man or woman out there who's griping with not being able to get coffees on Monday from Starbucks. I feel your pain. Champion of Imagine people. driving to work at 7.30 in the morning on a Monday and you can't go to Starbucks. It's, it's terrible. You're, it's terrible. You're truly a champion of the people. <laughs> yep, that's what I aim to be here, fighting for, for the fellow the common Joe here without a platform. But in addition... I know my girlfriend was in line for Starbucks last, I don't know, let's say Tuesday. Um, And she was really excited because they just released their Christmas drinks. And they had one girl working in Starbucks. And she had to come out and tell the giant line of cars in the drive-thrus that she was shutting the doors and locking it and leaving because she could not do it by herself. Good for her. Good for her. But, you know, at the same time, you know why your Starbucks is so expensive and what people complain about is because they have to charge enough to pay the workers. So. Mm-hmm. It'd be a lot I'm cheaper. And a lot for it. Like, you could get much more consistent drinks. That's my issue. Is I don't want to pay six dollars for something that's not consistently good. And this is more gripe with Dunkin' than it is Starbucks. Fair. But like, <laughs> I'll go get one coffee and it tastes like I'm sucking down straight syrup. And you go get another coffee and it tastes like it's pure black, but they that's look true. exactly the same. Yep. So like, if I can get a consistently good coffee for five dollars, I'm more willing to pay for it. Yeah, but you just don't want to have to go ground your own beans and actually do the darn thing yourself. Yeah, sure. It's superior and better and consistent. I'm more than happy to pay that for it. Heck of a lot more caffeine too. Oh my god, they load that stuff up. 
That's so funny. I never thought about that, but Duncan does have ridiculous inconsistencies. And I'm more of an iced coffee man myself from Duncan, hot coffee from Starbucks. So anytime I get an iced hazelnut coffee or a, an iced French vanilla coffee from Duncan, I normally get the very, very large supersized ones because, you know, I enjoy ruining my heart at a young age. But uh, it, it, like Matt said, it's, it's either you're sucking down syrup or you're drinking black iced coffee. No in between. I'm like, I thought I asked for hazelnut in this one day. And then the next day it's like, holy shit, is there any coffee in this? Or did you just pour hazelnut syrup into a cup and hand it to me? This is like the most first world problem I've heard in forever. <laughs> it's a struggle out here, people. <laughs> it is. But if you're going to pay $5 for a cup of coffee that you can make at home, I'd like it at least to be consistent. It's true. I mean, that's a minimum ask. If you're paying yep, for it. They're milking my wallet, John. They're milking my wallet. I don't know, and man. I'm a sucker you know, that keeps going back. They're getting paid 10 bucks an hour. I don't think I'd do a very good job for 10 bucks an hour either. That's that's not a, that's not a whole lot of money. <laughs> no. Everyone out there knows that I'm a French press guy at heart, so my Dunkin' and Starbucks trips are few and far between. But when they occur, Dunkin', get your shit together. It's true. All right. <laughs> on, on the real... I keep saying, I have a bunch of friends that work in retail and places like, I don't know if Starbucks is considered retail, but like fast food and retail places, and they complain about not getting paid enough, and I say, look, go be a server. I made so much flipping money for a 21, 22-year-old as a server. If you're good and you know what you're doing and you're fast, we need servers and bartenders. We need them everywhere. We're understaffed at every single flipping restaurant in America. You'll make so much more money. You just have to be willing to work a little bit harder, and they're like... Yeah, but you know, I don't think my personality would fit there. I was like, okay, but like, do you like eating? Do you like do you like having the lights on? Like, you gotta do, you gotta contribute and do what you want. Go where the money is, not where your comfort is. Oh, that's so true. Follow the money, you know. Well, not even that. Just if you're if you're doing something like working in retail, which which you don't do much every day, and you know that's again an unproven, unscientific statement. But if you're doing not much of anything every day, you might as well do a little more of everything, make a heck of a lot more money, and you do make some pretty darn good connections in your local community serving and bartending. People will get to know you. That's a great option. It's a great way to go. I I'll stand by it all day. Now's the perfect time for it too, because yep. like before, I felt like you you had to have a certain like level of experience to like go be a bartender, and even serving at the nicer restaurants where you're going to get more tips. They didn't want to hire someone that like hadn't had any work experience. Right but now, they have no one. Go no get one. the bartending job. People are still drinking just as much as they did before, mm -hmm. if not more. And you can go do this. It can be tough to work at like a like an actual like craft cocktail bar, but it's pretty hard to mess up grabbing a Corona light, unscrewing it, popping a lime in it, and dropping it down. That's pretty tough <laughs> to mess up. And if you can't do that, there's something wrong with our workforce, which is also possibly broken. But that's a, for a different for a different <laughs> story. So. All right, we're, we're running low on time, so I'm going to move on. I got one more quick one here, and then we're going to go down. So I, this is interesting. Someone said this on the Internet. Somewhere, don't know what corner of the Internet it was, but they said, you're essentially nine levels. I did the calculation. I think it's ten levels. It's ten levels away from being a millionaire. This does not include taxes. This does not include losses. Any of that is a perfect world scenario, but I did the math, and it's true. In your adult life, if you have $1,000 ready to invest, all you have to do is double that ten times, and you've got a little over a million dollars. That's one way of looking at it, ten levels. So... All you have to do is live through like two decent cryptocurrency runs and boom, you're done. Obviously, that's immensely high risk and it does not take all the factors in that of people trying to take your money and then you get the taxes and all that. But 
it's a really positive, optimistic way of looking at it. You're just 10 levels away from freedom. Beat 10 levels and you're good. Does that mean you need 100% return 10 times? Correct. You need to double your money. You need to double that $1,000 without losing it 10 times. You just have to pass those 10 levels. So that's crazy that's like that's like going to the arcade or the movie theater and you ever see that machine where it's the stacker and oh, it's, yeah. it's a row of blocks and you gotta hit it hit the button it stops then the next one you hit the button stop the row of blocks it's like trying to get up to the top there or it's like, like making hard. the correct sports pick 10 times in a row that pays out double like that's all you have to also do hard. but you yeah i mean but the, yeah the other thing is if you have to risk all of your money in every single bet or every <laughs> single purchase so if you mess up once it's game over yeah, I was thinking it's like roulette in Vegas. Like uh-huh. you just got to pick the right number ten, ten times. times in a row with all of your money yep. and not mess up. And I was like, yeah, the odds are pretty low, though. That, well, of course, <laughs> roulette. Try that. I don't know. I I think I would be willing to argue that the crypto markets are a heck of a lot easier in roulette. I'm thinking sports betting. I'm thinking if we can find. I don't want to put a thousand dollars. I tell you right now. Like if you want to put a thousand bucks into a sports book, but it's it's hard to find a bet that gives those, those type of odds. Yeah, Vegas is always going to be scalping you. Okay, all right. Just Let's... bet on the Jaguars to win, and they just got to win ten times in a row. Yeah, great, <laughs> great, make you awesome. A real fast. I'd rather play the roulette. I'd have more fun. <laughs> I have way more fun. Hey, after this past weekend, the Jaguars might be able to make you that million. I think they're getting hot. Hey, we've already talked about the NFL being rigged. I don't know if we need to go back there. <laughs> all right, let's move on. It's broken. It's so broken. Okay, all right. I just wanted to hit one thing, and then I know someone else has something for crypto, Rudy Medical, and we're done. All right, so what I wanted to do is I recently found the Phantom Wallet, which exists on the Solana blockchain. I, That's a lot of words that a lot of people probably are not going to understand, and a week ago, that would have meant nothing to me. <laughs> So I try to break it down. My understanding of this has always been you must store your stuff in a wallet. And I was like, okay, all wallets work the same way. Duh. Turns out I was wrong. I learned something today or yesterday, whatever. So I learned that different wallets exist on different blockchains. So like MetaMask, what I use exists on the Ethereum blockchain. And there's so many people using it, which is why the gas fees are so darn high. Apparently this one works pretty good because it exists on a different chain that is operating completely separately for it. And it's like fee-less and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I Googled it. You should Google Phantom Wallet, P-H-A-N-T-O-M. I That's the best I can do for the explanation because I truly, it's just, it's a lot. And maybe maybe that's a good way to start learning and get your intro to the world. Yep. It's it's a lot. I've not dabbled in Solana, but I've, I've looked into the space before because... John and I had discussed purchasing a Red Panda NFT, mm-hmm. and the Red Panda existed on the Solana blockchain, so therefore we couldn't pay, we couldn't you couldn't buy the NFT with Ethereum, or sorry, not buy, mint, you couldn't mint the NFT with Ethereum, and therefore you couldn't use any of the wallets that we had access to because you needed a Solana wallet, and it was just, once again, I got turned away because I hit the wall way too much to go through and set up a whole nother wallet, put all my bank account information into a whole nother company's wallet that or base of trading or whatever. It's just gone too much, but yep. I agree. I agree completely. Yep. All right. He's got the JP Morgan. Yep. On the, on the topic of Ethereum and different cryptocurrencies, 
Uh, this is a short one, but according to JP Morgan, Ethereum is now a superior investment to Bitcoin. So do with that as you will. That's not investment advice from me. That is from JP Morgan. I wonder how much Ethereum the JP Morgan share or uh, board of directors is holding right now <laughs> for them to issue that. <laughs> it's an interesting statement to just throw out into the world. Obviously, there's more into it, but we're running low on time. So if you're interested, you can look up their recent, um, I forget what it was published in whatever they release every year about blah, 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 and you know, good old finance stuff. But you can read for yourself why they believe that Ethereum is a superior investment to Bitcoin. And I would be hard pressed. Uh, I, I would be inclined to believe that their board members have a large sum of Ethereum. Yeah, JP Morgan gets a little bit of credit for me and then we're gonna move on is just that they're like pretty adaptive old old guys. They're well known as being like the old boys club, but I don't, they've been pretty, they've been pretty hefty in this kind of stuff. So props to them. All right, that's all I have to is say. It, or is it considered insider trading if they you're not insider trading? Are, are you allowed to do that in DeFi? Can they say, oh, we think Ethereum, a huge institution like that, are they allowed to say, oh, we think Ethereum is going to be superior in the next year and then get the market to all go buy Ethereum? The SEC and the IRS would absolutely tell you yes, but the thing is that they don't control those things. So all they're going to do is control it whenever it gets transferred back into dollars because they do control the dollar. Mm. So, so that's, you just that's have my to answer. keep it in the crypto world. Well, I don't know. The rules haven't been written yet. They're trying to write them right now, but uh, it's, it's a sore topic. So we probably shouldn't do All it right, yet. Move on. Yep. Let's not spin our wheels. Get it, Matt. All right. So cool in the medical world is I saw that Alphabet, the parrot company of Google, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Yep is they're using AI to figure out protein folding and to formulate new drugs based off of that. They're using their AI research company, DeepMind, and they've created a new company called Isomorphic Labs to, I guess, kind of figure out what type of drugs they can use based off this. So what does it mean for us? The important thing is, is that like protein folding, like proteins are all just like different groups of amino acids that are all twisted around and shaped in different ways. And like, depending on how they're folded, depends on like what type of receptors they have and what things can bind to them. The more we figure out how they're folded, the more we can figure out what drugs will work to bind the spots that they have open. So they're basically just using artificial intelligence and the known formulations and folding of proteins that we currently have to figure out how these other ones are that we don't have any uh, data on yet. Is this all run through Alphabet? Can I invest in DeepMind? I'm not entirely sure. I didn't go into that. I assume it's just all under Alphabet. I would think, well, yeah, that's the issue just because I don't really want to invest in Alphabet. They're super expensive and they're governed by so many different things. I want to buy whatever technology they're using right now. Yeah, I think it's really cool though, like just because like previously we had to use all these really expensive and different techniques to like figure out one different protein. And they said they were like working on 350,000 at once. Jeez, holy cow. Now it's just what, like five? Yeah, so like it's... I mean, yeah, like in standard doing the techniques, it costs tons of research money and universities with a crazy amount of uh, funds to throw at it. And Alphabet's here just like, oh, we'll just take some of our computers, take the existing ones we have, plug them in, get them to figure out how to do it. Like, it's fantastic. It's a big dub for technology right there. I'm all about it. And it's cool because there's so many different things that like we don't know about the genome and how these different drugs and proteins all fold because we just sequenced the genome that finished partially in like 2008. And then again, more stuff finished in like 2017. So we're like learning more and more stuff. Like 
every single day about it. And this is just going to expand it so much more. It always blows me away how little we actually know about ourselves. It's kind of wild. And there's a whole bunch of you know companies out there that are now studying, 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 studying about like mental illness type stuff because that's the new development. But I was like, we should probably start with the actual physical problems because we still haven't gotten those figured out. <laughs> oh yeah, like right now I'm doing a class on like neuropsych and it is it's a terrible time and most everything that we think for neuropsych it's like we just think this we're not entirely sure we kind of got some things that might back it up but also this thing contradicts it and these studies say it's right but we'd also said this totally different thing four years ago and something totally different four years before that so it's like the brain is the total like it's impossible to understand and i think we're a far far long way from being able to understand half the stuff that goes on so that's why things like Neuralink by elon musk are totally amazing that they can like figure some of this out to use it as a controller for a monkey playing pong it's true my question is as well how fast are we changing to which there's just no way for us to keep up with it or is our progression going faster than how fast we're changing what like the way that we're we're definitely the way that we think and that we adapt is changing, which leads me to believe that our brains and physical bodies are actually changing as well, and we're kind of like evolving. So as as we as we figure things out, are those things changing? <laughs> like, are we just behind the curve? <laughs> I don't know if we're necessarily changing the physiology or anatomy of any of our things. Like our thought process may change, but that's not going to physically change the brain. It's just the different connections and neurosynapses that we may have. But like, I do think as we get better at science and medicine and that type of thing, we're kind of de-evolving. We're keeping uh, ourselves around longer. Like even as a kid, as a baby, I burst my lung when I was first born. I probably shouldn't have lived past a few hours type thing. But we're, this is happening continuously over time. So we're continuously seeing more diseases that we didn't used to see because we're just able to keep people alive longer. So it's like we're de-evolving. We're not creating healthier versions of ourselves. We're just keeping more of ourselves alive because we have all this new technology. Well, that shows about how much I know about the medicine world. So I'm just going to stick with investing in the companies that do this awesome stuff and hopefully make money. <laughs> Even I wouldn't invest in the medical world. There's too much going on and it's all bets. And I think they're all lying when they say they have something figured out because just like Nikola or Tesla or whatever, they're like, eh, that might not happen by the time we said it would. Right. I just bet in the sector. I just basically bet that the medical sector is going to go up. I feel like that's a good bet at least. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're always advancing. Okay, I think we're running out of time. Are we good? Yeah. We good. Fantastic. Joey, hit your quote and let's go. Yep, from Jeff Bezos today. He said, you can be grinding for four years and see zero results. And on that fifth year, become the biggest thing on the planet. The power of not giving up is real. It's true. Persistence. Gotta love it. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. That closes us out. We're going to see you Friday morning per usual. See you Friday. See you Friday.